morning. Joshua, would you come and lead us in an opening song? 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 to 15 and 17 say, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that he which lived should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them, and rose again. Therefore, verse 17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Let's sing number 368. Number 368, It Took a Miracle.
Good morning. Uh, as you <clears throat> well notice, and most of you probably knew that Pastor Matt and Winetta wouldn't be here today. They are in Pasco, Washington, uh, reporting back to one of their supporting churches. And so to pray for them while they are ministering there, uh, sharing about the ministry that that church has been supporting here for many years. Uh, so we'll remember them as we pray. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you for who you are. We thank you that you are in control of all things, that you, through miracles, have done many things. And through your power and your might, uh, you put what we see together and created it. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the privilege to gather here today. And we think of Pastor Matt and Winetta as they are... Um, Reporting back there in Pasco, Washington, we pray that you would uh, be with them during this time and give them the words to speak and to share uh, with that church uh, concerning the work here that they have supported. And so we just commit them to you and commit this service together to you and ask you to guide and direct through it. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're <clears throat> glad you're all here today. Uh, we uh, have with us today Evan and Jessica Dexter, and they are Evan will be sharing in the morning service, and their four children, Titus, Pearl, Nolan, and Ruby. So glad to have you all with us today. Be sure to greet them and get to know them. Uh, glad that they're here. Isaiah thirty-two seventeen says this, and the work of righteousness shall be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. Let's turn to number 381, Blessed Assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior. song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending bring from above, echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. 
in my Savior am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. Jesus, Lamb of God, Worthy is your name, Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your holy name. Taking my sin, my cross, my shame, rising again, I bless your name. You are my all in all. When I fall down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all in all. Jesus, Lamb of God, everybody. God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Shalah. That thy way may be known upon earth, thy saving healthy among all nations. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. O let the nations be Glad and sing of joy, for thou shalt judge a people righteously and govern the nations upon earth. Shalah. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let the people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase, and God, even our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Children's Church can be dismissed as we sing. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4 says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, 
and did all eat the same spiritual meat and drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Let's turn to number 383. 383, the solid rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, his blood, support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Well, it's good to have Evan Dexter here with us this morning and ask him to come and, and share God's Word with us. Good morning. It's good to see all of your faces here this morning. We almost didn't have special music. I think it was right at the beginning of the offertory. My wife leans over to me and says, Pearl, our our oldest daughter, Pearl's tooth is coming out. She has a loose tooth that apparently she was playing with, and so she had a mouthful of blood. I had to go take care of that real quick, come back in. And then Nolan, my youngest son, was like, Dad, i got to go to the bathroom. Mom's in the bathroom. I'm going to run over there. But we made it. We made it. That, uh, <clears throat> that song is one of our family's favorite songs, um, <clears throat> a camp song. We love camp ministry. Uh, we've been involved in camp ministry, well, Jess and I together since we were married. We were married back in 2014 in July, and 
I think it was uh, two weeks after our wedding, we came back and were helping out with camp up at Lake Blaine Baptist Bible Camp. Uh, and we've been there uh, together ministering ever since. I've, uh, I've grown up in the area. My dad is pastor at uh, Bethel Baptist Church in Kalispell for, I think it was 18 years. Um, and then we moved to Missoula, and he was a pastor. He is, and still is a pastor of Faith Baptist in Missoula. Um, so I've grown up in the area. I've been involved with Lake Blaine um, for my entire life, and it's great to have my family join us there. And my kids are following in my footsteps, where they've been at, been able to be at camp every year since they they were born. <clears throat> but uh, again, that song is one of our favorite songs. We often sing it uh, in evenings before bedtime when we when we have family singing time. Uh, Titus, that is probably the one that he'll request most often, I think. Uh, so it's a pleasure to uh, share that song with you here this morning. Uh, go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew. We will be in Matthew this morning. So if you want to turn there in Matthew chapter 6 specifically, we'll be looking at the Lord's Prayer. <clears throat> A little bit more about myself. Um, <clears throat> I am currently uh, in working. Uh, we live in Missoula, working there, um, and I'm actually a truck driver. Uh, so you guys can say, "Hey, I had a truck driver preach this morning." Um, I don't think you often hear that. Uh, not that truck drivers can't, but uh, <clears throat> I was formerly the uh, youth pastor at uh, First Baptist in Polson, uh, but God has since moved us along there, and we're serving. Uh, as laity, I think it would be the correct word, um, in the church there helping out, uh, again, where my dad is pastoring. Um, and I'm, I'm working as a, a truck driver. And I come through Eureka once a month, and I actually just drive down here because I'll come from Libby in my route. Um, I drive a CO2 truck. It's a tanker uh, bobtail. And I deliver the CO2. If you go to the town pump on the south end of town, and get a soda from their fountain drink, you're welcome for the fizziness there. Uh, the, uh, the CO2, you know, for the, the fizz in your soda. Um, interesting part of my job here, and this will come in and uh, play a part of our illustration, is uh, I, I drive up to the building, wherever it is, and I, I find, and I won't bore you with all the details, the spot where I hook up my hose to put the liquid uh, CO2 into the building. And then I go inside of the building and I find the bulk tank that that CO2 is uh, stored in, which then is pumped to the fountain machine where you get your nice fizzy soda. Uh, and I do say soda. Is anyone a soda person or are you a pop? Soda? Pop? All right, well, I hope we don't cause any... <laughs> Any riffs here between that? <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, and so part of my job is I, I connect my hoses and I come inside to the building and I, I find that, that tank and I check it out, make sure the pressure is correct or where, what the pressure of the tank is, make sure everything looks good, how full the, the tank is. And usually that involves in going behind closed doors, you know, employees only signs. And I'm so thinking of the town pump here. I'm not an employee of town pump. Uh, they've gotten used to me now. Um, they, for the most part, 
Um, but I usually just kind of walk in and I do my own thing. I go behind the doors uh, that say employees only, and I go back and I do stuff, and I get occasional looks of like, who is this guy? What is he doing? Um, but I go back and I check. And so I'm able to go boldly, and I'll give you a hint here as to where we're going, boldly into areas where not everyone is, has access to. I, I, just, I just walk in back there. Now, I, was, uh, I used this, this uh, sermon a little while ago, and um, I gave this illustration as well. And the following week, how I, I go back and I go into these areas, and no one really says anything to me. I, I do my job, and I do what I need to do, and I, I move on. Well, it was, I think it was the week after I used that illustration, and I walked back behind those closed doors again, and I was actually stopped. And someone said, excuse me, who are you? What are you doing here? So my illustration broke down at that point in time. Um, But I have access to uh, places where not everyone has access to. Um, And in that, again, looking at how God has has invited us, um, and we have access to go boldly to the throne um, in prayer. We can have that access, right? We don't have to go to a priest and confess our sins and, and uh, um, have them then, well, I will share your, your confessions or your prayers with God. I don't have to pray specially. No, I can go directly to God in prayer and I can share that with him directly. I go boldly into this, this area that uh, God has given us access now through Jesus Christ and, and the work that he has done for us on the cross there. Uh, a few other illustrations I want to share with you here this morning uh, regarding prayer um, before we get into our message. Uh, from Moody Bible Institute, a publication from there back in 1990, uh, in its early days, Dallas Theological Seminary was in critical need of $10,000 to keep the work going. During a prayer meeting, renowned Bible teacher Harry Ironside, a lecturer at the school, prayed, Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Please sell some of those cattle to help us meet this need. Shortly after the prayer meeting, a check for $10,000 arrived at the school, sent days earlier by a friend who had no idea of the urgent need or of Ironside's prayer. The man simply said the money came from the sale of some of his cattle. <laughs> also from uh, Moody's, Moody Bible Institute's publication today in the Word, uh, early African converts to Christianity were earnest and regular in private devotions. <clears throat> Each one reportedly had a separate spot in the thicket where he would pour out his heart to God. Over time, the paths to these places became well-worn. As a result, if one of these believers began to neg- neglect prayer, it was soon apparent to the others. They would kindly uh, remind the negligent one, Brother, the grass grows on your path. <clears throat> so interesting thoughts there, challenges, how, how God... Again, knows our prayers before we pray them, pray them, 
right? And he has answers worked out for them, whether we see them immediately or we might not see the answer. Um, But God is working in that. And we should be continually praying um, and not letting our paths overgrow. Our paths, if we use that illustration, our paths to God overgrowing there. Before we jump into our text here, let's go ahead and uh, open up with a word of prayer here this morning. Lord God, we thank you so much uh, for this opportunity that we have here today to study your word. I pray that you would go before us, that you would guide and direct, you would give us understanding of your word through the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, draw us to yourself that uh, our study here this morning would be honoring and glorifying to you, that it would be challenging to us, that we would have a desire to change and to uh, grow uh, in our relationship with you or, and grow in our love for you. Lord, that that would affect our outward actions as we interact with others. And uh, Lord, that uh, all that is said and done here today would be for your honor and your glory. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. <clears throat> as I said, I, I, I will admit that I have used this, this uh, message before. I had planned on speaking from uh, Isaiah 55 uh, earlier today. Or not earlier today, but I planned earlier to speak on Isaiah 55 today, but uh, God had other plans on that. Um, but uh, this is a, a wonderful passage, and uh, I do believe that this is where God has led us here this morning. I don't know if the reasons for me not being able to be in Isaiah 55 was because God wanted us here um, after Pastor Matt had asked me to uh, come and speak, I began preparing, and, and some, God had laid something on my heart, and from Isaiah 55, I thought, oh, that's, that's where I want to go, that's where I want to go. And uh, then a few things came up um, two, about three weeks ago. Uh, I had to go into the hospital and emergency room, and they found that I had two kidney stones, uh, and so... Few days later, I I went in to have surgery to remove one of them, uh, and I woke up from surgery and they said, "Well, we we weren't able to do it, so we'll do it again in a week." And so, this last Wednesday, I went in and they were actually able to to get that done. And through through that, the discomfort and the medication, I think, uh, just things just weren't weren't coming along as I was trying to study. I felt like I was just sitting there reading and like my brain was just not functioning. Uh, and so I, I did, I pulled this passage, this message out, uh, one that I have preached more recently. Um, and again, just a, a reminder for myself, a challenge to myself, and I pray that it is a challenge for us here today. Uh, the Lord's Prayer, I'm sure it is a very familiar passage uh, to us, uh, most of us, and uh, I pray again that uh, we would learn from this here and that we would grow uh, in our relationship with Christ uh, on this, or, uh, through this passage. Uh, we'll be starting in verse 5. <clears throat> the context of this is, this is the Sermon on the Mount. This is instruction for kingdom dwellers uh, to prepare for kingdom living when Christ returns and, and sets up his kingdom. Christ is... Uh, teaching us of how that will be, how we will live, and how we should 
uh, act and, and what we should do to prepare for that. And uh, living, we can say, living for the kingdom today. Um, and here as he's speaking with uh, his disciples uh, greater, in the greater sense and then his, his um, inner circle, the, the twelve, uh, he's teaching. And he <clears throat> begins to, in, in chapter 6, we see he, he starts to discuss giving alms and, and, and how that should happen. Um, and so essentially we're seeing how God is saying worshiping. God, because uh, offering that is still worship God, worshiping God, um, and so He gives directions in that. But then He comes to prayer, and I, I really wanted to focus on prayer uh, because that is a a a huge part of our of our Christian walk. Um, prayer, <clears throat> it should be. Um, so, if you're taking notes here this morning, I, I just have three points. Um, we'll start, I'll give you my first point here, and uh, maybe I should ask for forgiveness ahead of time, but uh, my first point is the duh of prayer. Duh, as in like, duh, right? This is, uh, this is something that's obvious, something that's simple when we, when we use that, right? It should be something that is very um, obvious to us. And here I think Jesus, uh, in a sense, is, is stating the obvious in verse 5 in that first phrase there, and when thou prayest. Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray. Uh, but that when thou prayest, the da here is that he is expecting that as Christians we are praying. That should be a da statement to us. When we pray, yeah, I, I pray. Um, and it is, so it is assumed here that his followers, the, the um, audience that he's speaking to, uh, both the immediate audience and then us as New Testament believers looking back here and, and reading through this is that we are praying. It is assumed that we are praying. Now this is important because if you think about relationships, if you've been involved uh, with um, any sort of relationship counseling or had any of that, if you, how many of you are married? How many of you have a friend no one has friends here. A few of, how many of you have a friend? This is not a one or the other. You can keep your hand raised. How many of you have friends? How many of you have family, siblings, mothers, fathers? How many of you have coworkers? Right? So those are all relationships. Neighbors. Those are all relationships. And as important, the, the most important part of relationships is communication. To have a good relationship with someone, whether it's a friend, a coworker, a spouse, is to have communication. Right now, now I won't get into that. The ultimate, the most important thing is our relationship with with God. But we'll we'll get into that, and that is then what can affect. But to have communication with the other part of our relationship. Um, Jess and I, when we had. Premarital counseling before we got married. Uh, we had, um, I think it was like 1,500 books that we read. No, it wasn't that many. There were a few books that we read. Uh, two books that we read? It seemed like a lot. I'm not a reader, so it seemed like a lot more. <laughs> um, and, and we spoke with, it was actually her youth pastor, 
uh, and his wife, and we went and, and communicated with them. But communication was a big part of that. Um, and as we have had the opportunity uh, then also to participate in, in uh, premarital counseling with another young couple that was from our youth group, and they asked us, asked me to perform the wedding ceremony, and, and we said, let's do some premarital counseling. That was one of our focuses, is communication, and we worked through all of that. Um, in marriage, so much comes up, right, that you don't think about. It's not just, oh, boy meets girl, they fall in love, they get married, and happily ever after. And that's then, okay, well, how many kids? Where are we going to live? How involved are grandparents going to be? What holidays are we going to go there? What about uh, jobs? What about taxes? All of these other things. And so these are things that we need to communicate about. And when communication breaks down, that's when conflict starts to happen. And that then causes strife and causes uh, problems within that relationship. Same thing with friendships. Same thing with uh, within uh, relationships at, at work. If you're not communicating with coworkers or bosses or subordinates or whoever it might be, then things start to break down. Well, this didn't happen. Well, it wasn't communicated properly. It wasn't communicated correctly. So communication is very important. And so with these horizontal relationships, communication is important. And as I mentioned, communication then vertically is even more important because Christ is the basis of any relationship that we need to have or any relationship that we have that that relationship with Christ is the most important thing and through our relationship with Christ then we can have proper relationships with others and so it is very important it is paramount that we have a proper relationship with God and how can we not have or how can we have a proper relationship with God if we are not communicating with Him? Yes, He communicates to us. We can read His Word, but we need to speak to Him. And He wants us to speak to Him. So many times in Scripture we see the idea of prayer, that God wants us to bring things to Him. He wants us to communicate with Him. Whether it is uh, when, we think of, when we think of prayer, we think of uh, our, our prayer requests. So, well, I'm sick, or, or this, I have this need, or that need. But even more so, and, and Lord, just guide me through the day today. Any decisions that I might have, and, and uh, uh, communicating through him, or to Him through that, and, and talking with Him. We cannot have a proper relationship with God without talking to Him. Prayer is a habit of a mature Christian. When I think of individuals, and if you maybe you think of this of of the most spiritual person in in your mind that you can think of that you know of, I bet one of the first things you'll think of that person is, well, why are they the most spiritual person you can think of? You say, you know what, their prayer life. I think of my grandfather. And, and, and my grandmother, and so many other people, but he's, he, those two are the ones that just immediately come to my mind, that they were, they were or my grandfather was before he, he went home, and my grandmother still is, such a prayer warrior. 
Anytime I see my grandmother, she asks how I'm doing. She says she loves me. She asks if I need a cookie. And then, and then she says, I'm praying for you. I've been praying for you. How are you doing? And that's so encouraging for me to know that people are praying for me. And there's, there's ladies in our church uh, that, oh, I've been praying for you. How are things going? You know, do you need anything? Um, but that, that prayer, that is, a, that is a habit of a mature Christian to constantly be in prayer. Uh, James 5.16 was mentioned. We'll go ahead and, and turn there real quick. And keep your finger here in, in uh, Matthew because we'll be back shortly. <clears throat> I think this is in your, your bulletin there. It's, it's listed as uh, under your uh, Wednesday evening prayer. <clears throat> Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Right? Uh, what is this, the, the connection here of, of a righteous man, a, a spiritual person, is the effectual, fervent prayer. That, that idea of this person is constantly in prayer. They are constantly talking with God. <clears throat> we could also, and I won't have you turn there, maybe I'll just go ahead and, and turn there myself, um, in in Romans, excuse me, I'm getting getting myself confused. Romans and chapter eight and verse fifteen. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now, we'll, we'll reference back to this in just a moment here, but this idea of that we are crying out to Abba, Father. We have that direct access to God, who is our Father, and we can talk to Him uh, with, with whatever it is that we need to bring to Him. Right? We have that connection. We cry out to Him. We should be crying out to Him. <clears throat> Jesus, in the Gospels, we see him praying. Uh, I have actually two numbers written down here, and I, I, depending on, I guess, the context of the passage, but we see him praying 25 times. Another number that I have is 38 times, and I think there's maybe overlap in the Gospels. You know, so one Gospel says, tells an account of Jesus, and another Gospel tells the same account, but in a different viewpoint. A different person. So I think they're, they're overlapping there a little bit. But we see Christ continually praying um, before ministering to people, um, after ministering, before uh, healing, before his miracles. We see him praying out to God. Uh, we see him after ministering, uh, uh, falling back and, and going alone and, and, and withdrawing to pray to God. And so... Um, we see that picture there of, of continual prayer from, from Christ himself. We could also look through the epistles and see Paul and how he was constantly praying. Uh, as you read through the different epistles, uh, one, of the, one of the things that's repeated there as he, goes to the, or as he speaks to the different churches is that I'm, I'm praying for you in regards to this. I, I'm continually praying for you about this. Um, Colossians in Colossians 1 
verse 3 and 9, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians. Again, we won't, we won't have you turn there, but if you're quick and you wanted to write those down. Uh, but we see that Paul is constantly, I'm praying for you in this. And then also we see him say, please pray for me. Uh, so prayer is a, a sign of, or is a, a habit of a mature Christian. It is something that we need to be doing. As we talk about the church, you are the church. The individuals here are the church. And the church is only as strong as the church members. And part of that strength is their prayer life. When we come together as a church, and we are, again, as we saw in James, we are praying for one another. And again, not just, well, you know, pray for Evan's kidney stones that, you know, he would recover from that quickly. And those are, yeah, God wants us to pray about that too. But you know what? Pray for Evan because sometimes he has a quick temper with his kids and he, he speaks harshly to them. You know, and hopefully that's something that I would come to you and say, you know, pray for me about that. That's something that God is working in my heart about. Um, we confess our sins to one another. Not so that I can, well... There goes Bob again, struggling with that same old sin. And not that I'm holding it above, uh, holding it over him or anything. But no, I can come along and say, you know, Bob, how can I help you? I've been praying for you on that. I know this is something that you you say that you struggle with. I want to help you out as much as I can. Here's how I deal with it. Here's here's the passages of Scripture that God has laid on my heart to help me deal with this situation. Let me come alongside you, and I'm praying for you. Uh, just as I mentioned before with others that have said that they pray for me, how encouraging that is. I don't, oh man, they're praying for me. I'm, uh, no, that's wonderful. Someone is praying for you. They love you so much that they are praying for you. As a church, we should be praying together for each other. And as a, the, I, I believe that as one of the biggest things that can strengthen our church, if we are honestly praying for each other and bringing each other's uh, illnesses or, or sins and bringing those before the Lord and saying, God, you can, you can take care of this. And we trust you. Please work through us. So the duh of prayer, we need to be praying get to our second point here. Is that the right time? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <clears throat> I took my watch off. I don't know why I took my watch off. It's up here. You know what they say when the pastor takes his watch off and lays it out in front of you? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> supposed to be out there as a reminder for myself. I hope you don't have a roast in the oven. I'm sorry. A chicken. All right. <clears throat> the second point is the don'ts of prayer. We'll, we'll quickly go through this. The don'ts of prayer. <clears throat> so when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Right, so the don'ts of prayer. Don't pray as the hypocrites do. Why are they praying? What does it say there? To be seen of men. 
That is the the reward that they're looking for. So don't be praying to be viewed as someone spiritual, to see that, to make sure that others are looking at you, oh, wow, yeah, he's a great guy. That's not the reason that we pray. Our prayers are to communicate with the one true God, not to raise ourselves up, to gain, have personal gain, or have a great standing by what others think of us. I think it's interesting here, and I haven't looked through the the Greek to really see if there's anything behind here, uh, behind this, but in my mind it it popped out that um, they love to pray standing in the synagogues. It's not, they love to pray, they love to pray in these areas because that's where the spiritual people are. That's where people can see them, right? And so they have this pride. Their desire is to be seen by others. And so what is the motive of our prayer when we pray? Is it so that I can communicate with my God who loves me the, uh, the, the things that I need to bring to him, the, the, the needs that I might have, the concerns that I might have, my praise to him? Or is it so that other people can hear me? Um, so that other people can look at me and say, wow, that, that's a real spiritual guy. No, so as we, as we pray, what is, I, I try to do this to myself. I'm, I'm not the best at it, but I need to think and before I pray. Now, okay, clear my thoughts, clear my heart. Why am I praying here? Who am I talking to? I'm not talking to the five people, the 20 people that are around me. I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to God. And so I need to check myself And I'm not praying just to be seen by others. The words that I use, the way that I pray, anything like that. What is the motive of my prayer? It is not to be seen by others. We also see in verse 7 and 8, But when you pray, use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your Father knoweth what things you have need of before ye ask of them. So don't, another don't of prayer is don't heap up empty phrases. Here, the idea is that the pagan gods thrived, you know, pagan gods thrived on incantation and repetition. So really, the idea is that the people that worship these false gods, these fake gods, thought, well, if we, if we do it a lot, if we just boom, boom, we're constantly doing it, and maybe we say the right thing, if we say it the right way, if we repeat ourselves 150,000 times, then that God will hear us. He's got to hear it. He's going to get annoyed with me, and finally he'll answer my prayer. You know, thinking back to 1 Kings, again, we won't turn there. 1 Kings 18, when Ahab and the prophets of Baal had their little uh, meeting on the top of the mountain there, right? What were the prophets doing? They were wailing out. They were trying to get the attention of their false god that could not hear them because he was not real. Right? They were trying to do all of these things to get the attention of the gods. They had that word count. i got to say this really long prayer. I'm going to pray for 42 minutes because it will get God's attention. Or use all of these right expressions you know, something that's interesting to me is that 
I love listening to di- different people pray. There's a man in our church that prays, and he prays King James. Right? He uses these and thous. He doesn't speak normally like that when I'm talking to him. He doesn't say thee and thou, but when he prays, he does that. And it's interesting. I, I think it's... Can you say it's pretty? Oh, it might not be the right way to say it, but it is, it is beautiful. But I know in his heart... He's communicating with his God. And in that, that's, what he, that's how he does that. And that's fine. But if, if it were to be that, oh, I'm going to use this so that, again, people, wow, he's using spiritual language. He said the 500 times in that prayer. Um, that's, that's not what God wants for us. right? The, you, we don't have to use the right words. When I talk to teenagers and they ask me about prayer, well, I don't know how to pray. I'm like, okay, well, how are we talking right now? How do you talk to your best friend? That's, what, that's how you talk to God. You know, yes, we, we come to God with the respect, with the, the right uh, understanding of that this is the creator of the world, uh, but this is the creator of the world that has reached down and has offered to me salvation through his Son, and he wants this relationship with me. So I need to have that right respect when I talk to him. But I can talk to him just as I would talk to a friend. I don't have to use the right words. I don't have to use the big theological words. I can just say, God, thank you. Because you love me. Because I did this stupid thing. And you've forgiven me for that. And God, I'm, I'm worried about this. And I just, I need your comfort right now. I need your guidance. We can talk to him as a friend. We don't have to use special words or mantras to get his attention. He is there and he's ready to listen to us when we approach him, again, with the, with the right heart. We don't pray to be seen by others. We don't have to heap up empty phrases. Again, thinking of Hail Marys. We don't have to say, you know, you have to say these things five times before you're forgiven of your sins or to pay for your sins. Another thing that I I struggle with at times is praying only before meals. Right? I think that's kind of where we typically pray. Oh, let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing on this this food. And yes, that's important. God has provided us for us, so we should thank him for it. But if those are the only times we're praying, that probably is going to make your prayer before meal a lot longer because you should also be praying throughout, you know, uh, throughout the day. We won't go any further on that. But, um, or saying the same prayers over and over. I've, I've been there. I'll, I'll tell you, I admit that. Where I, I'm praying, I'm like, boy, I think I've prayed that same prayer a couple times now. And hopefully in my heart, it's, this is what I'm, I'm asking God for. I'm, I'm truly asking these things. But I need to make sure that I'm not just praying a specific prayer because that's what I always say and that's just what gets the job done. So not using empty phrases. Um, having the right heart. Uh, just a, a very quick... Um, another quick illustration for you. When I was in high school, I played football. And 
my senior year, our coach decided that for whatever reason, we were going to say um, we were going to we were going to say the Lord's Prayer uh, as we pray, before the before we went out on the field. We'd go out and do our warm ups, and we'd come back in, and coach would say, "All right, guys, the last minute adjustments. Now everyone take a knee," and he would lead us in saying the Lord's Prayer. Now we went to a, a public school. I went to Missoula Sentinel, and I would say probably half the guys on the on the team were Catholic in in name, um, but it was it to me very much felt like oh let's say this and maybe maybe God will give us a victory today because we said this prayer, and it was like oh if we say this we can get God's attention and He'll bless us because we said a prayer, and I remember this is wrong, and so. As we took a knee, I would quietly pray, Lord, you know, I pray for safety today. Give us, give us a good game that uh, no one would get hurt, that we might be able to do well, and that I can give you glory in some way. Um, but it was, again, used as a, some sort of ticket. Oh, well, we can get God's attention because we said this prayer. Um, so we're not to use prayer for our own benefit or is trying to get God's attention to, to do something for us. We're not to focus on ourselves. Don't use this prayer as something uh, to, to bless ourselves. Now finally here, the third point, the dues of prayer. And this will go fairly quickly uh, for us too. But the dues of prayer. Jumping back into verse 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to, the fa- to thy Father, which is in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. The idea here is go to your room. Go, go somewhere private. You know, and, and the mindset here is you're having a personal conversation with God. Now, do you always have to go to your closet to pray? No. But the idea there is to, again, as we said, um, we are to have this personal conversation with God. And that mindset of, I'm, I'm only communicating with God here. Now, I can still do that in a room full of people. I can still pray and have this connection with God of, of prayer that I'm focused only on Him, not focused on what people around me are going to say or think or do. So having this personal conversation, because He sees your heart. He knows what's in your heart. Jumping to verse 9 then. And after this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which are in heaven. So after this manner. So here, unfortunately, people take this as, okay, this is the prayer that I need to pray. This is my prayer. This This is the Lord's Prayer. We've got to pray it. This is instead, this is not a prescriptive text of God saying, do this. But this is a descriptive text. So pray like this. And so we need to study into this and say, okay, no, what is, what is the, the meaning? What is the, the order, maybe? How is God teaching us to pray and, and not taking this as a, this is the prayer that I have to pray because God told, Jesus told me to pray this. No. So there's a descriptive text on prayer. And he gives us uh, a, an outline, if you will, uh, kind of some, some directions 
in verse, the second part of verse 9, Our Father, which art in heaven. This was not typical of Hebrews to refer to God as Father. This is actually part of one of the reasons, or one of the reasons, why the leaders, the Jewish leaders, disliked Jesus so much, because he referred to God as his Father. And this was blasphemy. You can't refer to God as your father, but God or Jesus was instituting this as he would later on through his death and resurrection. And uh, as we saw earlier uh, in was it Romans, yeah, in Romans 8.15, we see the adoption through Christ. We are now adopted into God's family, and now we have that relationship that God is our father. And Jesus was introducing that to us, uh, to his his audience here. So it was not typical to call or to refer to God as Father, but Jesus is introducing that. And now we have that as believers. God is our Heavenly Father. We have been adopted into His family through Christ's work on the cross. This is an intimate and personal relationship. I love it when my sons come up to me, my daughters too, my kids, when they come up to me and they want to talk to me. I love it. And I, I'm not always good at it. This is something, again, where I fail, where I hope that I would always, when they come up to me, Dad, Dad, when I'm able to, yes, what is it? What do you, what do you need, son, daughter? What, do you, what is it that you need? And I don't just push them off, right? Because that's how God is with us. Anytime we approach him with a right heart, he's... He wants, I mean, he always wants to hear from us. When we approach him with the right heart, he's ready there and, yes, what is it, my child? Something that God has impressed on me and that, again, something I I continually have to work on is when my children come to me with something, and maybe it's something that they're so excited about and they want to tell me, Maybe it's something that I already know. I, I, I don't remember the specific situation, but Titus one time came to me, and he wanted to tell me about this uh, something that he had learned. He thought it was just so cool, and he was so excited to tell me about it. It was something that I already knew. And my response to him was to listen. And it wasn't like, oh, yeah, Titus, I already know that, whatever. No, oh, really? Oh, that's so cool, Titus. That's amazing. That's exactly how God is to us. He knows everything right? He knows the things that I have on my heart. Again, the, 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 the ups and the downs of my life. And when I come to him, he's ready there to kneel down and say, yes, what is it? Not, oh yeah, I already know about that. Don't worry. Don't, don't bother me. He's there. Yes. What is it? He wants to hear from us. How amazing is that? He wants to be there. He wants this intimate relationship. Stott, in his commentary on this passage, uh, says, The entire formula is less concerned with the proper protocol in approaching deity than with the truth of who he is. To establish within the believer the right frame of mind. So it's not, le- it's, it's not here to say, okay, these are the check marks. These are the things that you have to do to have the right prayer. No, it's more involved with, who are you coming to? This is, this is God. And he is your father. 
And you can come to him with anything. And let me also share with you some other truths about him. All right? As we continue on, hallowed or, or holy be your name. Hallowed be thy name. Again, it's not that we are making him holy, but we are recognizing who he is. He is a holy God. He is, again, the one and only God and treating him as such, coming to him as such. Let your name be kept holy, treated with reverence would be another way to say this. We're just recognizing and praising him for who he is in our prayers. Verse 10, your kingdom come. We are, eager, we are to eagerly await his promise, recognizing his sovereignty. Right? Lord, your kingdom is coming. You have promised this, and I'm looking forward to that. And I'm excited for that. <clears throat> Going along with that, again, recognizing his sovereignty, your will be done. We are to want the will of God, not our own to be done. How many times would you admit that when I come to God, yeah, sometimes I'm like, Lord, I want this done. Not, I want your will to be done. Yes, I can say, God, can I please have this. I think in my mind, my understanding, that I need this. And if you would give me that, that would be great. He's okay with us asking that if our our frame, uh, our, our mindset is right, and that if this is okay with you, if this is your will, then that would be great. But if it's not your will, how are we going to respond? Like, God, I, I want a safe trip home today. I've got to drive through 8 million deer on the way home. Um, having a safe trip would be nice. But if that's not your will, God, okay. I'm all right with that. Right? I'm not going to, well, God messed up. I hit a deer on my way home. That's the second one in how many months now? You know? No. Do we have the right mindset of, Whatever I'm asking for, he wants me to ask for, but am I asking with his will in mind? If this is part of your will, Lord, may it be done. I know it will be done, but if it's not, let me recognize that, understand that, and praise you for what you do allow to happen. Again, going back to my grandfather, um, he had to have surgery on his back. Well, we thought he had to have surgery on his back. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to try to go quick. Um, and so he was all lined up for it, and we were praying, Lord, and it was, he was in his 90s, and it was, this surgery could go well, or he could not come out of surgery. And we were, obviously, we were praying, Lord, we pray that this surgery goes well, and if not, we thank you that he'll be with, your, be with you in your presence. And God answered that prayer, but he didn't answer it the way that we thought. I think it was the day before prayer. Long story short, a doctor said, you know what? He doesn't need that surgery. And his back got better. And he lived another couple of years before he passed. God answers prayer. And we need to be ready that I'm praying for his will, God's will to be done. Um, Recognizing his sovereignty. Everything I bring to him, if it's part of his will, it'll happen, and I need to be understanding that he is in control of all things. 
verse, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Again, recognition of God's care for us. Um, cross-referencing down, we won't take the time to look at it, but we see in verses 25 through 30, uh, 34 how God takes care of, uh, we see the lilies and, and the fowls of the air, and he's, and he's saying, don't be worried about these things. The, the flowers aren't worried about it. The birds aren't worried about it. Why should you worry? We should not be anxious, but recognize that God is, again, sovereign, and He will take care of us. He will give us our needs. And I have a quote here, and I, I, unfortunately, I don't have who said this, but God gives us our needs, not our greeds. Right? He knows what we need. We think we know what we need, but really God knows what we need. And so when we pray, Lord, give us what I need for this day, and that's good enough for me, because I trust you, and I trust that tomorrow you're going to give me what I need. If it's one meal, all right, that's what I need. If it's a safe trip home without hitting any deer, praise the Lord, that's what I needed. If it's you hit a deer on the way home, all right, God wanted that for some reason. I trust in Him. Forgive us our debts and our literal sins. Not that we earn forgiveness by forgiving, uh, as it says here. Forgives, uh, excuse me, forgives our debts as we forgive our debtors. Not that, well, I can earn forgiveness by being forgiving to others, but instead, no, realizing what we have been forgiven. I just actually talked to my son this morning about this, as he and his brother had a little disagreement, and I said, you know, Titus, what has God forgiven you of? My sins. How many of them? All of them. And he said, well, I'll kind of give you forgiveness for him. No, it was, I forgive you, and I love you, and now that you've asked for forgiveness, I'm not thinking about those. I'm, I'm casting those away. That's how you need to interact with your brother. That's how we need to interact. Recognizing God has forgiven us of so much Right? It is a greater trespass, my sins against God, than anything someone can do to me. And if God can forgive me, then yes, I need to forgive others so freely as you have forgiven us. Again, Stott writes, Once our eyes have been opened to see the enormity of our offense against, the God, against God, the injuries which others have done to us appear by comparison extremely trifling. When we can recognize that God has forgiven me so much and through, through so much, through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, His burial and His resurrection, I then need to be quick to forgive if God has forgiven me. Lead us not into temptation, in verse 13, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Lead us not. We are not tempted by God. We see that in James chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Again, sorry, we will not go there right now, but if you wanted to write that down. We are not tempted by God. But there's a prayer that is that we might not be allowed to be tempted. Lord, protect me. Keep me from temptations. You know where I struggle, where my weaknesses are. Lord, I pray that you would help me keep from those areas or be able to recognize that's a struggle that I have, and when that temptation comes around, then I can turn and say, no, 
God doesn't want me here. I need to go. Because he's promised a way of escape for us so that we might not be tempted. So our prayer is that we might not be allowed to be tempted. Lord, keep me alert and show me where I might fall so that I can turn from that situation. I can leave from that. And I can honor you in the way that I live rather than, and I hate to say honoring self, but indulging in my temptations. And so here we have a model prayer. Not that we have to say all of these things, but the idea of we're praising our Father, recognizing who He is, who God is. And we are recognizing His sovereignty, His care for us, and asking for those things that would be in His will, that that we would see those things. Today, as we close, a couple challenge questions for you, or for us. We'll say for us. So that's the way I have it worded. Are we prayer warriors, or are we prayer weaklings? Where might you be? Honestly. Are we prideful or are we humble in our prayers? I'm humbly kneeling before God or am I praying so that others might look at me and say, well, that looks like a good guy. Are our prayers greedy? What can I get? Or are my prayers glorifying to the one true God who is in control of all things and has reached out and offered to have a relationship with me in spite of the sinful person that I am and has offered me forgiveness. Where are you today? My prayer, pun intended, is that today we would be challenged and that we can always continue to get better. We're not going to be perfect, right? Not until Christ returns and takes us home. But we can always be getting better. And that prayer, and I, I pray that you would pray for me as well, that I would grow in this, because this is a challenge to myself. I pray that it was a challenge to you as well. Lord God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are in control of all things. Lord, that you want to have a relationship with us. We thank you that you have given us this idea of how we can interact with you. Lord, we pray that our hearts would be right as we, as we converse with you, um, that we would want to glorify you in our prayers, Lord, that you would strengthen us in our prayer lives, draw us closer to you, and that we would continually, uh, throughout the day, throughout our lives, just constantly be speaking to you and seeking your guidance and your direction and, and glorifying you in all that we do. I thank you for each one that is here today. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, go with us as we go away from here, wherever it is that we are going, going home, that you'd give us safety. Lord, I pray that for uh, the Shretfers, as they are in Washington, that you would bless them and uh, give them safety as well. And Lord, bless this church and this community. Uh, I pray that the church would be able to reach out into the community here in Eureka and to to glorify you in that, and Lord, that your word would be shared and that, uh, uh, that you would be glorified here. 
And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for the challenge, and <clears throat> I guess something that I think of often is uh, we've heard the word, we've heard the challenge from the word, what are we going to do with it? And we have to make a choice, and uh, just pray that God will work in each of our hearts and draw, him, draw us closer to him, and that we would spend that time in prayer that we need to, and so... Um, Evan has already prayed. I'll have Joshua come and uh, lead us in a couple of verses of the last song, and then we'll be dismissed. Number 385, 385, Trust and Obey. We'll sing the first and the last. to trust and obey. 